You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. I'm David Blobaum. This is Trisha DeFranco, and you are listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. COVID ruined many things. Small businesses struggle to pivot in the face of lockdowns. If you were in the business of serving people in person, every month of the pandemic was a struggle. To say that the opening up of society was a godsend to entrepreneurs would be an understatement. But then a new and unexpected problem arose. An increase in demand, but yet a dearth of employees to serve the onslaught of new customers. We have all seen the signs. A Burger King apologizing on its billboard that it couldn't find workers and thus is closed? Was it legislation? Unemployment benefits? The new need for caregiving and homeschooling? Fears about COVID and the Delta variant? How did we get here? Trisha DeFranco founded Highlight Salon in 2011 and hit the ground running. Within a short period of time, she was able to create an incredible place to work that employs over 35 people. David Blobaum is a co-owner and co-founder of Summit Prep, which specializes in SAT and ACT testing and provides private, personalized tutoring for standardized tests and academic subjects. Trisha and David, welcome to Earn and Invest. Trisha, let me start with you. Let's talk a little bit about what your business was like pre-COVID. Tell us a little bit about your salon and how many people you were employing. So my salon company is located in Lyndhurst, New Jersey. We had about 35 people. And we were just rocking and we were growing so quickly and life was really beautiful and really good. And we were profitable and very happy and it was easy to find people to work. And tell us what it felt like when the pandemic hit. Did you have to close immediately? Yes, we closed, um, I would say in March when everyone shut down and then we formed a coalition to reopen. Uh, We opened June 22nd. So we were closed for a few months. And fortunately for me, I all of my employees came back. But a few months later, I had seven people walk out on me. Uh, that was definitely a challenge for my company. We lost 30% of our business. And I believe it was because of COVID. The environment, they just didn't feel comfortable in a larger environment anymore. They wanted to be in a smaller environment. And so they all left me right before I went on maternity leave. So that was definitely a challenge for us. And now hiring has been very interesting. You have to get super crafty in order to find employees. 
David, talk to us about where you were in March of 2020 as all of this was happening. What was the state of your business? How was growth? It was great. Um, We had been growing at about 30% year over year. So everything was good. We were lucky in the sense that we've always had an online component to our tutoring. So 70% was in person before, 30% online. So that was really a godsend um, for us. Tricia, you mentioned that after being closed for another number of months, as you opened up, you actually lost seven employees. You're in the interesting situation, too, where you mostly employ women. Is that correct? Yep, mostly women. Um, I had one male, but he left. So we mostly had women. And and economically speaking, women are struggling the most to find employment and keep employment with their children at home. And a lot of them are the primary caregiver for them. So it's been a challenge for a lot of women as well. And at the time when seven people left, did you feel like they were leaving to not be employed at all? Or did you feel like they were looking towards different salons? I think they wanted a smaller environment. Everyone got really comfortable on that unemployment money. A lot of people did. And some people didn't want to come back to work. But in order to um, have my company open, and receive PPP funds and be able to have all of the benefits we did when we were closed, we had to have uh, our employees come back. So we called them all back. And maybe by February, I had lost seven employees. So I believe it was a mix between them wanting to just go on unemployment again and leave. Um, Because of the environment, it was just too large of an environment for them. And it's, it was, very warm and inviting before COVID and the environment got very sterile. And in hair salons, you want a very warm environment. It's a very personal experience. So after them leaving, uh, we worked super hard on recruiting and maintaining as many employees as we can. David, talk about the change in environment that occurred with you. I imagine test prep is also kind of a very personable warm environment. You were used to seeing your tutorees there in person. How did the environment change as the pandemic took shape? Yeah, that's a really good point. So even though we were able to continue our business and basically just flip a switch and everyone was online, that's a great point about the environment because just like Trisha said, um, in her business, it went from being warm and you know, at least you get to see each other in the hallways. And we had a weekly team meeting where, you know, we'd all joke around and have fun. And then it just becomes completely sterile where you see each other once a week on a team meeting where half the people have their, um, you know, their video turned off. Nobody's joking around. Nobody's interacting. Just the whole, the whole culture of the company changed and not for the better. Trisha, let's talk about that a little bit. As the culture of your company was changing, the warmth wasn't there. How was demand? I mean, were people wanting more than ever to come in the salon? The demand was so high. We had a waiting list of over a thousand people to get in. It was insanity. To get everyone in, we had to give out client information to each of the stylists because we couldn't hire more front desk that wasn't trained to, in order to accommodate these people. So the people that left had all of their client information as well. So we actually shot ourselves in the foot by doing that to try to alleviate some of the stress on the management on the back end. 
Trisha, tell me about the range of emotions. As I'm listening to both you and David, I'm hearing the story of these beautiful growing businesses, this entrepreneurship stopped in its tracks. And then the frustration you must have felt knowing that you had more need and demand than ever, but not being able to fulfill it. We had to go ahead and start hiring people through Zoom and never even meeting them, not even knowing who they are and not knowing their skill set, but praying that their Instagram and their portfolio proved them worthy. And they did. I've hired two people through Zoom and they're still with me today. So just really looking for alternative ways. Emotionally, it was draining. I can't even tell you how stressful it was. I can only imagine people who aren't super skilled when it comes to recruitment and their businesses and having the knowledge that David and I do with our companies. And um, I do consulting as well. So I, I know how business in my industry works. To not have that knowledge, I can't imagine how shattering it must be for all of these small women-owned small salons. David, talk about demand for you. What happened to demand as the world started opening up again? Did it pick up? So interestingly enough, during the pandemic, we actually had greater demand than I think we otherwise would have because uh, very unfortunately, students were massively struggling with uh, online schooling. So you know, teachers would put it in a very difficult position of they don't even know how to work Zoom a lot of times. And then they're in charge of teaching students virtually. And then so some teachers were ill-equipped to teach well, but then also some students don't learn as well that way as well, especially in a classroom environment. So we had a rise in demand. Um, and then we actually, we tried to start hiring admins and we were unable to do so. We got to the finish line with two potential admins, we gave them good offers that were uh, commensurate with, you know, one, a, a competitive salary, two, with what they had been making before. Um, but they just flat out told us, you know, that's 10,000 more than I'm making on unemployment right now because of the enhanced unemployment benefits. So to them to have to go through and work 40 hours a week and figure out childcare and all that, $10,000 understandably is just not enough additional pay to incentivize that. So even though we spent thousands of dollars and took months of trying to find great people, we were just ultimately unable to do so and gave up hiring. Um, we've just put it completely on hold until after enhanced unemployment benefits are over. Hopefully we'll be able to find good people then. Um, and in the meantime, we've just been paying our existing admins overtime. So it's really increased our costs as well, um, because paying 40 hours for a new admin is a lot cheaper than paying 40 hours of overtime for your existing admins, basically. David, tell me about the frustration. I mean, again, here you are, just like Trisha, you're building this booming business, demand is there, and yet you can't get people to do the work. I guess it's frustrating. Um Sort of to piggyback off of what Trisha said, I think we both feel as difficult as it's been. We feel sympathy for the people who are not necessarily as fortunate as we are to have been as established in business for as long as we have. If this had happened in maybe my first three years of business, I wouldn't have a business anymore. Guaranteed. We had very low margins. We were just scraping by. 
we would completely be wiped out. Um, we're luck. I'm lucky that I've had the business for eight years and for eight years, we've been putting away money for a nice safety net. So even though our demand was good, our expenses shot up massively. So what did we do? We just, you know, started using some of that safety net money, um, until, well, actually until just a couple of different things happened where some of our expenses went down. And now we've actually been able to replenish that safety net a little bit. But on the whole, I just feel worse for people who had to close their doors permanently, basically. So, Tricia, as David is talking, I see you shaking your head as he talks about how lucky he was to be an established business. You must have felt kind of some of the same, both being upset at watching things get more complicated and yet knowing that you had built a strong business from 2011 and you had established yourself enough to continue having these customers and maybe have some cash flow even in these hard times. I've witnessed so many salons close and it's heartbreaking. Some of them had just opened right before the pandemic. There was no way they were sustainable. And a lot of the landlords were not being very forgiving because they don't have a pandemic clause. No one did. And it was just, it's heartbreaking to watch these women throw their lives into this business and think it's going to be something. And, and then it becomes nothing and it's gone in the blink of an eye. I've seen a ton of salons for sale online, but they don't have any traffic. So what are you really buying? So I'm, I'm just very fortunate that I worked so hard and I didn't know I was working so hard to survive the pandemic, but I'm grateful that I, I put everything away to kind of have a safety net. As David said, I'm very grateful. Tricia, if you had been able to recruit more people more quickly, would it have solved a lot of these problems? If I could have hired 10 more stylists, I could have had them all booked. I could not find any more. I could have accommodated 10 or probably 15 full-time stylists. Um, A lot of people moved out. We're outside of the city, but uh, there was an influx from in the city. Everyone moved out of the city or was working from home. So our hours had to change a little bit. Um, we had so many people, new guest traffic was at an all-time high. I've, I wasn't able to accommodate all of these guests. We couldn't fit anybody for at least six weeks. We had not one opening. People were waiting six weeks from when we opened to have an appointment. And most of the services were larger services. So our average ticket increased astronomically by 30 to 50% on average because women who would get their hair colored they would have longer routes. They would they went longer in between the service. So it, the color costs were a lot higher. You know, one thing, Trisha, I noticed is as I was looking at your website for Highlights Salon, I went into your career area and I noticed you offer a lot of benefits. I mean, you offer health, you offer dental, you offer a 401k match. Did you feel like you had to bulk that up uh, in the wake of the post-pandemic and the legislation that supported unemployment? I didn't because I already had it existing. Um, Maybe about a year prior, I lost two employees to a salon that offered all of those benefits. And I said, if I don't do something faster and be better than the next person, I'm going to lose people for no reason. So I, I bulked it up back then and we just budgeted for it and we were successful and people were very happy with the offerings. But, you know, the industry that I'm in, everyone's really young. So they're not thinking 401k. 
they're thinking cash in their pockets now. So we increased the minimum guarantee in our salon company to 15 about two or three years ago to drive new employees to our company. And we're proud to say we're one of the highest paying salons in the area. David, I noticed, especially with the fast food restaurants on their billboards, as I was driving to Colorado, many of their billboards was saying, you know, paying $15 an hour, paying $20 an hour. Did you change either your benefits or your salary figuring, okay, that's just going to solve the problem and we'll move forward? So we increase pay primarily as a retention tool, though. So we increase pay by 6% because inflation's been like five, 6%. So we're like, we need to pay our people just that as a raise just to keep their real wages from dropping. Um, and we did increase the amount that we were willing to pay for an admin, not astronomically though, because then it just doesn't necessarily make sense to hire another admin. And, and benefits, we've already we've always had benefits and such, so we didn't need to change that at all, luckily. So, Tricia, there's a lot of disagreement about why we're facing this employment crisis. Obviously, the unemployment benefits have played a role, at least from both your and David's experience. Let me read you a statement that I saw in a recent news article citing labor shortages. They said that 26 state governors said pandemic-related unemployment benefits were producing limited incentives for workers to take jobs, and thus they've minimized them. And then the article went to say that many economists and analysts have disagreed, highlighting how several factors have prevented people from finding suitable work, including low wages, lack of child care, and fear of contracting COVID-19. Talk about that statement. Obviously, we're not here necessarily to be political I see lots of different things going on. I know that through seeing these billboards, talking to a lot of small business people, they really feel that the unemployment benefits front and central have hampered them in getting new employees. Do you think that's 100% the story or is there other stuff going on? I don't think that that's 100% the story, um, personally. I have a few moms that work for me now and they were sick of being home. And although the unemployment benefits were there, they didn't have jobs beforehand. So for my instance, I didn't even get maternity leave money because I have to fight the state for maternity leave money. It's even get benefits for having a child where you know some people didn't have jobs beforehand. So those people I'm seeing are coming into the workforce ready to go because they're sick of being home with their kids. Like it's a lot to be home all day. I mean, it's beautiful thing to be home, but I can't imagine being home all day with my daughter all day long doing the same thing. So those people are out in the workforce and I feel like they're getting a second chance at jobs, maybe that other people aren't that weren't able to get before. And when it comes to those people that are on unemployment, are they really going to be great employees anyway, if that's what they're doing, if that's who they are, that's who the core of the people that they are, that's how they're raised. Um, I don't, I don't really necessarily believe that that statement is 100% true. I feel like there's more opportunity for different groups of people right now to have positions that they might have might not have gotten the chance to have before. You just have to find them. David, your thoughts on that idea? I know that you felt that once the unemployment benefits package is run out, you'll probably have an easier chance of filling your spaces. 
Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's a hundred percent of the story, um, but I think it's the primary part of the story, um, in my opinion. I mean, I just think that people are generally rational and make rational decisions. And I think if you can make the same amount of money not working or close to it, I probably wouldn't work. You know, I mean, it's it's a really interesting point that uh, Trisha makes of, hey, if you actually join the workforce when there's limited, when there's a very great demand um, for for labor, you might get into a position that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get into. I'm just not sure how many people in the masses think that way of really putting themselves in the position to get ahead um, long-term. I think it's a really great idea. So like, you know, childcare, that's always been an issue during the summer. So I'm not sure how that's necessarily a COVID issue. Um, I think that that's a very big issue, especially for moms during a school year, but not necessarily during the summer because that's always the case. Um, or low wages. Low wages has always seemed like a kind of bizarre explanation to me because if you were not getting any unemployment benefits, you would take any wage. The, the saying of, well, I'm not going to take employment because the wages are low, that to me says, yeah, that's, that's the unemployment benefits keeping them out of work. I think it is, I think, again, I think it makes sense for a lot of people to stay out of the workforce. I think they're being rational in doing that. Um, it's just a frustration for employers that they want to be able to meet the demand. Um, they would have higher revenues. They've worked very hard for their businesses. It's a frustration that they can't hire those people. And at the same time, like in New Jersey, our employer taxes have now been raised because people have been out of employment and it's decreased you know, the, the state's unemployment fund. So we want to hire people. We can't hire people because of unemployment. And so we have to pay them more to stay unemployed when we'd rather pay them for working. We're talking to Tricia DeFranco, founder of Highlight Salon, and David Blobaum, co-owner and founder of Summit Prep. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave and two minutes later... We'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing, and there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add ons every week. These are chef prepared meals, and let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave, and two minutes later, you have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. 
Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Here on Earn and Invest, we often talk about fintech, but specifically, which apps do you use that makes your money easier? Well, I like to send people to Unify Money. Unify Money covers the whole gamut of our financial needs, including savings with high-yield savings accounts, spending, including credit cards, as well as investing. A core part of our long-term financial security and resilience is building an investment portfolio. The earlier we start, the better. And the less we lose in fees, the more money we will make in the long run. Unify Money helps you create a personalized investment portfolio effortlessly and gives you the option to trade actively across both traditional equities as well as stocks, funds, alternative assets, cryptocurrencies, gold, silver coins and bars, you name it. They even have fractional investments in precious metals. Everything you can think of, you can find it at Unify Money. Check them out. Go to earnandinvest.com slash unify. That's earnandinvest.com slash U-N-I-F-I. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking to Tricia DeFranco, founder of Highlight Salon, as well as David Blobaum, co-owner and co-founder of Summit Prep. So Tricia, I probably should have jumped in with this question earlier, but when you mentioned that seven people walked out, did they then try and get unemployment or how did that work with unemployment? So uh, the salon that they were leaving to, I had my two top earners who had been with me for 10 years open a new salon and people that they were uh, training at my company, they had taken. So they weren't open till the end of February. They left beginning of February. And as soon as they left, I said, you know what, maybe I should put a non-compete in place because I just have a feeling my business is going to just walk. And I'm glad I did because they opened at the end of February. At the, yeah, at the end of February, they opened and I had people signing non-competes. And if they wouldn't sign that, they would have to leave. And they all, the ones that didn't sign left and walked over there. And if I would have waited, then they would have taken more business and they would have gotten more client data and more information. Um, they all applied for unemployment, even though they wouldn't sign the non-compete and were in a battle with a couple of them uh, over the non-compete. And in New Jersey, it's kind of wishy-washy. There hasn't been legislation on that yet for non-competes. Um, most of them got denied for the unemployment, but we're still, we're still going ongoing with a few of them. Um, I just couldn't believe like they had the opportunity to stay and work, but they decided that they were going to leave because unemployment, they would get more in the interim from when they were already established at another job. So the timing was just, it was definitely interesting for, uh, for me as a salon owner. I had a similar, kind of similar experience of someone applying when they shouldn't have been benefiting from it. Um, I had an employee, she actually left in January of 2020 of her own accord, luckily uh, resigned by email. So we had a record of it. After she had left, um, I said, hey, you know, in case you'd like to do any tutoring here or there, um, it would be for academic. So it's, you know, not something we trained you on, but you you brought your own skills to it. Be on your own time from your home. So she classified as an independent contractor. 
Turns out we did, she did six hours and as an independent contractor who will become important later. So she resigned. She'd been unemployed. Um, once the pandemic enhanced unemployment benefits hit, then three months later, she applied for those unemployment benefits. And I just told the truth that, you know, on the state form that I got that said, look, she's an amazing employee. We would love to have her back anytime she'd like to work. Um, but she did resign. We didn't let her go. New Jersey took five months, six months to process that because they were so backed up with unemployment claims that then New Jersey then said to her, hey, you have to pay us back like that $10,000 that we had paid you because she wasn't supposed to have qualified. She got upset, reported us to the state, said we misclassified her as an independent contractor for six hours. We then spent six months fighting with the state, had to turn in over 450 pages of documentation, proving everything like it. It was an absolute nightmare. And again, she, in the end, even though, you know, we had to go through to before a judge with the state, eventually we did prevail because again, we had her email resigning, but what a, what a, what a headache. So. So I have a couple of um, friends who own salon companies in state and out of state. And there's been multiple instances where people would have to pay back unemployment. Uh, That is the fraud with the unemployment is so out of control. I've never seen anything like it. And the riding amount is $10,000 people are having to pay back because they're falsifying claims and thinking that they're getting away with it when the employers, some people don't care and just let them go. But the ones who are smart and know that they're going to have an increase in what they're going to have to pay, we're the ones fighting back. And thank God we have paper trails. So David, both you and Trisha are in New Jersey, which obviously had these enhanced unemployment benefits. They are set to expire September 6th. How likely do you think that is to happen? And what do you think you'll do if if they decide to extend them? I am increasingly skeptical if they will be rolled back. I mean, because I was kind of looking at the um, eviction moratorium as a bellwether for you know, whether or not benefits would be uh, extended. So now that that's been extended, I'm more concerned about the whether or not the enhanced unemployment benefits would be extended. I still think they will be rolled back. But again, now there's all these new fears about Delta, uh, the Delta variant, and, and a lot of other concerns that have come into play. So frankly, I don't know. You know I, I think it could go either way. And if they are in, extended, then we probably, again, won't it's just very expensive, both from a directly expensive to pay recruiters uh, to look for employees and expensive, it's very, very time consuming to be interviewing and and just the whole process. So we probably, again, will just put hiring on hold until th- those enhanced unemployment benefits eventually do expire. Trisha, tell us what your plans are. So September 6th is a big date. What's going to happen to your business, do you think, depending on the outcome, if they don't extend versus if they do? I don't think I'll do anything different either way. I know that for me, at least, I've just gotten super crafty with recruiting and I have to hire someone every quarter, at least one or two people. Um, I It is very expensive and I have made it almost my full-time job for recruitment at this point because I have to find people and the influx of new guests and I have a demand, so I don't really have a choice whether or not this gets extended or not. I still have to keep pushing along. So I do personally believe it's going to get extended. I feel like 
that's what's going to happen. So I'm not expecting anything different. I feel like we've been beaten down so much at this point that nothing will ever surprise me. As of today, if you had the option, you would still want to, re- you know, hire 10 more people if you could. Oh, absolutely. I would hire 10 more because five would probably show show up for an interview because that's what happens. People just don't show up. You schedule 10 interviews, you have maybe three to five that come. David, is this like anything we've gone through before? I mean, this just sounds so foreign, this whole idea that we have massive unemployment and yet we can't get people to fill the spaces. Have you ever gone through anything like this in your professional life before? Never even close. Yeah. I mean, even when unemployment was lower at its lowest point ever, we could, it was difficult. It got more difficult to hire good people, um, the lower the unemployment rate went. Um, but it was doable. Now, I mean, we've never just basically just abdicated trying before. So, And do you think this is a widespread phenomenon, David, across the United States? I mean, I guess we know that what 25, 26 states have already gotten rid of their unemployment benefits, whereas others have continued them places like New Jersey. Are you hearing around the country from friends and family that they're having similar problems? I am at least from other tutoring companies. So I'm in a couple Facebook groups that have a lot of other business owners uh, or uh, owners of tutoring companies, and they've all expressed similar complaints and and worries about the same thing. Trisha, do you think you're going to have difficulty hiring people if you see this break in the resume during these months? Is part of you going to say, aha, I wonder if you were staying home because of unemployment benefits and then not feel like they're going to make the best employees. And I I know that's a slippery question because obviously there could be completely other reasons that they could be staying home, like children they have to care for, et cetera. But do you think it'll enter your mind? Honestly, no, I don't because everyone has out for their own reasons. And um, whether that may be they're trying to ride the wave of unemployment or they have Childcare. I think that a lot of my my staff comes from schools right now, so they don't really have that much experience anyway. Uh, and a lot of people decided to change careers. This was life altering for so many of us. And if you wanted to become a beautician or a cosmetologist before, then if it thought you had the thought in your mind, then during COVID, people went ahead and and changed careers and didn't care because you have one life to live. So I'm seeing a lot of people changing careers and they're looking for, you know, just the right salon company to help them grow. This morning, I actually hosted a, an event for salon owners on a recruitment topic, and they are struggling out there so, so badly. And all these salon owners, their number one complaint was recruitment and hiring. And I just tried my best to, to give them my hot tips and help them get as many people in their companies as you possibly can, but everyone's struggling in recruitment. I was about to say, do you believe that the pandemic will have long-term effects on the salon industry in the sense that you'll have less beauticians and less people involved in the industry? I don't necessarily believe that. I think that it is a ride or die industry and the industry even during the pandemic and even during the Great Depression, beauty, people still will spend money on because it's the last thing that they feel good about themselves with. They may come less often, but I do believe that the industry still 
is doing great. And although there's a lot of salon owners that are newer and, and struggling out there, I'm just happy to help anybody that needs help. So if there's anybody out there that needs anything, let me know. I'm happy to help you guys. David, what do you think the overall message is based on what you guys have gone through? I mean, both of you have struggled finding employees. On the other hand, it seems like your businesses are also thriving. What do you think this says about the whole unemployment fiasco? I think that we're somewhat of an anomaly as far as small businesses go. If our experience is representative of most small businesses, I don't think we really need to change that much because, you know, we'll weather the storm. And I think, you know, as Trisha has expressed, I think things will largely go back to normal um, as far as business and growth and things like that. But if our experiences, although temporarily difficult, it, it, you know, that can be frustrating, but it's, we can weather the storm. But if our experience is not representative, is not representative of what most small businesses are experiencing, which I think it probably is not, then I think more can, and I would say should be done to help those business owners. Like I can only speak from New Jersey, but New Jersey had a $10.1 billion budget surplus. They didn't expect that. It got you know over $6 billion from the federal government. And then they took out a, an emergency $10 billion loan. So $26 billion the deficit, the unemployment deficit, which again, the businesses in New Jersey, at least, they didn't want to shut down. They didn't want to lay anyone off. We were forced to um, shut down. And a lot of people were forced to lay people off. They want to hire those people back. So they're not the ones, you know, I don't think they're the ones to be blamed for the budget deficit. But again, that's COVID we have to blame, I think. So that's all to say, there's been a $250 million um, budget deficit from unemployment. The state has gotten an extra $26 billion. That's less than one. The deficit is less than 1% of the extra money. And still the administration has said, no, we're not going to give you any of that money. We're going to just increase your employer taxes. And that's really a hidden cost that employees and the general public really aren't seeing because when they get their paycheck, let's say you're paying them $100, they still get that $100 minus their regular taxes. What they don't see is that the, administ the administration in New Jersey is potentially increasing the employer taxes by 1%, 2% on, on any amount paid to employees. So what's happening is the cost of employing an employees, you know, rising dramatically, both from you have to pay more to the employee because labor costs are rising, you also have to pay more to the government just to employ those people. And at the same time, with inflation and supplies increasing in costs and demand still being diminished, business owners are just going to be squeezed from all sides. Again, we can weather the storm. I feel unbelievably fortunate. I'm so thankful for all of our amazing clients and all of our, our amazing team, but I really feel for those other business owners. We should talk about that a little bit. I mean, you mentioned PPP loans earlier. We've seen that there has been an increase in unemployment benefits for the employee. Do you think there's been a commensurate support of small businesses? I think that as long as you're, you were educated on what you needed to do and how you ran your books, if you ran your books properly, 
and you weren't in a cash business, you were able to survive. But those people that didn't pay their taxes and didn't put people on the books and people that did things illegally and the improper way to do them, they're the ones that shut down and they're the ones that were struggling. If you had all your ducks in a row, then you, we had substantial loans and they're forgivable. Well, I'm hoping they're going to be forgiven all of them. (laughs) You can only, uh, one can only hope that that will all work in our benefit, but they gave out tons of money. And although the money has definitely, it was a nice bandaid, but it was a bandaid on a bullet hole. Uh, I do think that it was hush money in some way. It was money that we're just going to end up paying back eventually. Just like David was saying, that 2% increase every year, it's going to be something else. And that money is eventually, you know, it was forgiven, sure. But is it really forgiven or is it just long-term debt for us as business owners? David, speak to that. Did you take any type of assistance uh, at the beginning of the pandemic? Yes, we did take uh, a PPP loan, which was more than anything else that really, really helped us at the time assuage any fears. You know, I mean, given the language in the PPP loan, you could take it out if you were concerned about the, if the, if the pandemic was going to make you concerned about uh, your financial future. So we're lucky in the wording and we're very lucky that we were able to get it. We didn't ultimately end up end up needing it. Ironically, in 2020, we actually then started needing it more in 2021, once our expenses were going up and everything else. So on the whole, we are, to Trisha's point, I like her analogy of, you know, it's a bandaid on a a bullet wound. Um, In the long run, so far, we're still out significantly more money than the PPP loan gave us. But I'm very... very grateful for that PPP loan. um, And it was certainly uh, a help. We are talking to Trisha DeFranco and David Blobaum, two small business owners from New Jersey. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G and this is Earn and Invest. If you've been listening to this show and trying to figure out how do I increase my top line, one way is through real estate. And when I want to learn more about real estate, one of my favorite places to go is the Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast with Coach Carson. This podcast is all about how to use real estate as an asset class to get ahead towards financial independence. There are two types of episodes, one in which the coach himself gives you all the tips and tricks on how to make money in real estate. The other is where he has guests, proof of concept, real life examples of people out there like you and I making real estate work towards their financial independence plan. It is a wonderful podcast. I hope you check it out. Go to coachcarson.com. Again, that's coachcarson.com. Take a listen. You won't regret it. Let me reintroduce you. Trisha DeFranco founded Highlight Salon in 2011, and David Blobaum is the co-owner and co-founder of Summit Prep. Trisha, let's talk about Delta virus. I mean, as we were starting to get comfortable, as our businesses pivoted, you found ways to constantly be recruiting. All of a sudden, the specter of Delta virus has come up. We are starting to see more mask mandates. There's the fear that at some point we could shut down again. 
Tell me what you think the outlook is right now based on what you're seeing around town. I do not believe we're going to get shut down again because I don't think that the government wants to put out the money again. So I feel like although the Delta variant is everyone's worried about it, I'm not concerned when it comes to a business standpoint. If they do mandate masks again, then of course we'll be compliant, but I don't foresee us all being shut down again. Just not something that I believe is going to happen. David, Delta virus, how do you think it's going to affect your business? I I agree with Trisha. I don't think we'll necessarily get shut down. uh, New Jersey has really high vaccination rates, so we're really um, fortunate in that sense. And just nationally, it seems like the states that have low vaccination rates don't care about shutting down. And the states that would potentially shut down typically have higher vaccination rates. So at least that's fortunate. Although we won't shut down, I think the Delta variant, it might, again, yeah, have us go back to masking. And maybe more of our clients will choose to do online sessions again, um, which I'll miss seeing people uh, in person as much. But, you know, we'll be able to weather that storm. I don't I don't think it'll be a major disruption for us. Drisha, what are you telling new people out there, either new salon owners or people who are coming to you and saying, hey, I want to do this for a living? Is it still worthwhile? I mean, would you have trepidation about giving them the advice to jump in after going through what you've gone through in the last year? I would recommend it to anyone if you love making people feel beautiful and you love making people feel confident. I love what I do and I would do it again a million times. There's not a better job for me. So when it comes to that, being able to help women is just like the most beautiful thing you can do. And I get emotional because anyone that didn't want to be in the industry or couldn't or had any trepidation maybe wanting to do it just know that this industry is so beautiful. And although they have stripped us from for so many things, we're still in there. And the hairdressers are still out there making people feel so amazing and so beautiful. And being able to see smiles on people's faces again, there's just nothing like that. And if you choose to wear a mask, then wear a mask. You know, if you feel more comfortable when it comes to the mask mandate, if we should be required to have a mask, we'll do it. But for most of part, most of the people that enter my salon company, they're not even wearing them. They feel comfortable. The dividers are down. It's starting to feel normal again. And that is such a beautiful place to be for us who enjoy seeing satisfaction and happiness on people's faces when you make them feel so gorgeous, you know, and to take that from us, that's just, it's, it was so terrible to go through it and so traumatizing for so many. So um, I don't think it's, it's hindering anyone from wanting to be in the industry. I think it's actually making people jump into the industry and do what they love and, and take a chance on it. And, you know, I have stylists that are making a hundred thousand dollars a year and they're in their twenties. There's multiple stylists making a hundred thousand dollars a year. So you, if you want to make money in the industry, you can do it. It's, there's a possibility. It's a beautiful, beautiful industry. And I hope more people join it. Yeah. As your voice cracked, as you were talking about this, You know, I think if this pandemic proved one thing, it's that salons play a huge role in people's lives. And we saw that as people went months and they were unable to go into their salon, uh, their sense of being okay changed, right? Their sense of their own self, their sense of habit, their sense of community. Uh, it, It was really interesting to see how important specifically salons were in people's lives and how happy they were once they were able to go back. 
you know, we play a, a strong role when it comes to mental health. They always say, you tell your hairdresser all your secrets. And I've seen such mental health crisis arise in my chair. More people needing medication, more people going through so many traumatizing things, losing loved ones. And I am just so grateful to be able to help them along the way. And it's just it's such a challenge, the mental health that this pandemic has brought. Yeah, it, you know, we talk about the mental health crisis, and there is a crisis of mental health care workers. And whether we realize it or not, salons and barbershops have, in a sense, stepped up and become de facto mental health care workers. And it's a very informal network in the United States, but being informal doesn't necessarily mean it isn't important um, or isn't utilized to a great extent. Um, and that's certainly something we saw as everyone's mental health spiraled during the heat of the pandemic. David, let's look at this from a thousand feet. What do you think what you guys have faced with finding employees says about the greater labor market as a whole? I mean, we talk a lot about the baby boomers leaving the workforce, millennials and Gen Zers, people always talk about having a much different opinion of work-life balance. Do you think we're going to run into labor shortages in the future, pandemic or no? One of the things that I have worried about is that if the, I mean, one, I like working in person. I like being around other people. And I think there's a fundamental aspect of people that we are social creatures. So I would hope that we don't all just isolate and work from home to to a complete degree. And I think whether people know it or not, I think a lot of their quality of life goes down when they're not working in person in person if they don't, especially if they're they don't have a robust community life, um, which a lot of us don't. So I worry in that sense about people's mental health if we're all working from home. Also, if we are all working from home, I do think that then that opens up a new, a new labor force that maybe Americans aren't really considering as much, where if people are high, willing to hire people who are just going to be purely remote, are they going to then look for people in cities? Are they going to look for people even in the United States? So could that more fundamentally reshift, uh, reshape the labor market where you could actually in the long term, potentially have people who can't find employment, even in cities or even in the United States as much, because if employers adapt to hiring remote workers, the effect might be they hire people in rural areas or they hire people in other countries. So there would be more competition for that work. As we see, this pandemic has changed so much and we struggle, especially as small business owners not just keeping our doors open, but finding the people to man all the positions that we hopefully create. This is good for society. It's good for there to be jobs available. It's good for people to be employed. I really appreciate you guys coming on and talking about your struggles. I don't know the answer. I don't know if the unemployment benefits have caused the problem. I don't know if it's something about COVID, if people are busy caregiving or homeschooling, if people are just afraid of getting sick and are worried about risking their health. I think it's a mix of all those things, but I certainly appreciate hearing your stories. 
I'm going to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what's up next in your life and where people can find you. David, let's start with you. What is going on? And if people want to know more about you or Summit Prep, where can they go on the internet? So what's up next is I'll soon be getting another haircut at Trisha's <laughs> salon. Uh, she, I got my first haircut after the, you know, after the lockdown at her salon. And I can tell you, I felt more like a human being than I had in months. Um, and then what's up next in, in my business is I'm just going to try and keep doing what I love, which is helping stu- students to succeed in life through education. You can find us at summitprep.com. And thanks so much, Dr. G. And Trisha, tell us if people want to know more about Highlight Salon, where they can go to find out about it, especially if they're in New Jersey, and also what's going on in your life. So what's up next for us is we're actually opening our second location. Uh, And if you want to find more information on us, you can follow Highlight Salon on Instagram, and that's H-I-L-I-G-H-T-S, or you can follow our recruitment Instagram, which is Join Highlights. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. And behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Trisha DeFranco and David Blobaum. That's a wrap. Trisha just Trisha just stepped away for a second. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for doing that. That was really cool. I, I enjoyed the conversation. I know I put you guys a little bit on the spot. Um, that was great. Just, yeah, I just felt like I wanted to hear from some real life small business people who are kind of slugging it out in the midst of this. Yeah. We are definitely slugging it out over here. Yes, we are. <laughs> now, I was saying to David, you know, I apologize if some of those questions put you a little on the spot, but I felt like I wanted to touch on some of the issues without going too deep in them because I didn't want to turn it overly political, but I wanted to kind of put out there that there's lots of different kind of visions of what's happening. Trisha, as you got emotional about it, it made me realize, you know, for small business people, what we do, especially if we're really proud of our business, it's our life, you know, this is like, this is our lifeblood. And I can't imagine how difficult it is for you guys to, to be in that position where you're like, I'm doing it. I'm building. I'm creating. I'm actually being successful and creating what people want. And then there's this one totally unexpected issue Mm -hmm. that's making it totally hard. Yeah, it's incredible how uh, how I saved all this money for COVID. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, what happened? Like, what is going on here? But I was like, damn, I'm a boss. Like, I fucking saved all that money, and I'm chilling right now during the frigging pandemic i was like this is great i'm off like i'm done i'm checking out because i can't work from home you know like i I work with my hands you know we work with our hands for david it probably was a different story but (laughs) it's pretty cool that you had two like complete like david and i have almost pretty different views on a lot of stuff and it's like you know that's really cool that you have that for for your listeners you know Yeah. And you guys have very different businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Because like you said, you are one of those businesses where you have to be in person. Yeah. Um, There's no pivot around that. Like, like there's pivots around some stuff, right? We can pivot some stuff, but you, you had no choice. Nothing. Nope. Mm. That was so much fun. I'd love to do it again. Oh, it was fun having you. And, And again, what's really cool too, is seeing you both in a sense, even with all the hardship thrive, um, in very difficult situations. 
Like that's, that's, that's something to be really proud of because this has been, it's been crappy. Like there's been a lot of crappy stuff that's gone on and it hasn't been good, good for anyone. And I think that's a hopeful message. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate background, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. Stretch opportunity. What is a yoga class? Get out of here. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.